Take your Bible and turn to uh, Matthew chapter number 28. And as you're finding that, if you would join me in standing for the reading of God's Word. Matthew 28 in uh, verse number 18 says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And let's pray together. Lord, we're thankful for your goodness. Thank you for the opportunity to meet here together tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and I pray, Lord, uh, that you would help us to understand this very important doctrine of baptism. And uh, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. We have been going through our series of Baptist Beliefs. We started it uh, a few months ago, actually, and uh, we're kind of taking our time to go through it. Um, But uh, we are getting through it. Uh, What we did is we're taking the word Baptist and we're using it as basically an acrostic, And uh, what we're doing here is uh, looking here at these different letters and what they stand for. And the first one, uh, letter B, stands for Bible-only authority. Um, And of course, this is the most important of the bunch because the rest of them come from that one. Um, But the the autonomy of the local church is letter A, and uh, we talked about that one for a while and the importance of our involvement in the local church. Then P stands for the priesthood of the believer in that uh, each of us have direct access to God. We don't have to go through uh, somebody special other than the Lord Jesus Himself. Uh, All of us have direct access. Uh, You don't have to go through any training. You and I have that that wonderful access. But the question that we asked with that is, are we taking advantage of that access? Um, How are we doing with that beautiful, wonderful privilege of prayer? Um, And that's what we talked about in that. Now we come to the very first T in the acrostic, and that stands for the two ordinances that a church, a Baptist church, should be observing. And uh, both the the two ordinances are baptism and the Lord's Supper, or we could call it communion. And uh, instead of hitting both of those in one night, we'd be here a while if we did that. So we're going to just hit the first one, and that is baptism. And uh, we're going to talk about that tonight. Now, Baptism, this particular topic, has caused tremendous issues over the centuries. Um, in fact, the reason we're called Baptists is because of our, of our stand on this issue. And when we were first called Baptists, it was not a compliment. It wasn't like, oh, you guys are the Baptists. It was, you bunch of Baptists. And uh, it was a derogatory term. Uh, so... Uh, but it, it kind of stuck, and, and here we are all these years later, centuries later, and uh, now we are referred to as Baptists. And so tonight we're going to look and see why baptism is so important in the life of a Christian. And uh, I don't want to guarantee anything, but I do think we'll be somewhat brief tonight. Uh, so let's go ahead and go through the outline, and, and don't let that scare you. Um, but first of all, let's talk about the meaning of baptism, the meaning of baptism. Jesus here tells us in verse 19 to go ye therefore and teach all nations, 
So this is giving the gospel out, and then we are to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So, But what does baptism really mean? First of all, it, it, it does not mean that when you get baptized, you are saved. Um, that is very important to understand, and that does differentiate us with several churches very close in proximity to us. There's a church just down the street, literally, if you go out the driveway and to the right, there's a church that believes that a baptism is necessary for your salvation. And yet the Bible does not clearly say that. In fact, it clearly says the opposite. There are some verses that uh, they would maybe take and, and uh, make a case for it, but you can't take one verse and make a doctrine out of it when there are so many other verses that say else, uh, something else. Um, and so what they're doing is taking one or two verses and building an entire doctrine where the Bible has made it very clear otherwise. And so what does baptism mean? Well, first of all, letter A here, it symbolizes the gospel in a beautiful, beautiful way. Um, Brother Cooper just got baptized last Sunday, and, uh, and I am so proud of his decision for doing that. And uh, so... Hope you don't mind. I'm going to kind of use your name as an illustration as we go through this a little bit uh, tonight. I should have asked your permission for that, but, you know, probably really should have because he's bigger than I am. And, uh, you know, he could uh, he could beat me up if he, if he wanted to. But um, although I could take you down in a football thing, we should do that one of these days. He's like, yeah, OK, whatever, Pastor. Uh huh. And people would like that. That's going to be on pay per view next week. Okay, First <laughs> uh, Corinthians chapter one or fifteen. I'm sorry, verse number one. And uh, it's the baptism symbolizes the gospel and and what Jesus did for us. And what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is clearly spelled out here in First Corinthians fifteen verses one through four. Verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached uh, unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Here it is. Here's the gospel. Verse 3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Okay, so what's, what's the gospel? The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And baptism symbolizes that. Uh, the baptism, the, the method of baptism that we use symbolizes that the best. Um, and so when, uh, when Cooper was in the water before I dunked him, um, the water was here, and Cooper was here. And so Cooper and the water formed a cross. And what? where did Jesus die? He died on the cross. Okay, so uh, baptism symbolizes the gospel. First, it symbolizes the death of Jesus Christ. And then the person goes underneath the water, symbolizing the burial of Jesus Christ. And praise the Lord, he didn't stay dead, otherwise it would be kind of a lousy baptism service. Okay? Uh, if we were in a different church and we had a, if we were in a different religion, you know, um, 
in a Mormon, in a Mormon church. Well, Joseph Smith died. He didn't die on a cross, but he died, and he was buried, but he did not rise from the dead. Uh, Muhammad did not rise from the dead. Buddha did not rise from the dead. Mary Baker, Ed, or, or Eddie Baker, whatever. she didn't rise from the dead. Only Jesus rose from the dead. And so uh, when, when Cooper came out of that water, and all of you were probably worried if I was going to be able to get him out of that water, but friend, you have no idea how strong I am. But Cooper came out of that water, and praise the Lord, it pictured the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And see, baptism symbolizes the gospel. And so it's, a, it's an object lesson to everybody watching. Basically, it's, it's saying this is what Jesus did for us. But not only does it symbolize the gospel, it also, letter B, it pictures outwardly what took place inwardly. Romans chapter 6, if you turn over there. Because it isn't just picturing something that Jesus did, did way back 2,000 years ago. It's also picturing what took place in our own hearts at the moment of our salvation, whenever that was. Romans chapter 6 and verse number uh, 3, it says, Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And so here it is. It pictures outwardly what took place inwardly. It pictures, first of all, the death of the old man. When you and I became a Christian, when you and I received the Lord Jesus as our Savior, our old man was crucified. Remember what Paul said to the Galatians? We are crucified with Christ. And so when we became a Christian, it was the old nature was crucified on the cross. And then it was buried, and then we were uh, resurrected to walk in newness of life. We were raised to walk in newness of life. So that, that moment of salvation, all of this took place, whether we felt it or not. And, you know, it's not about feelings anyway. It's about what the Bible says and about God's Word. But it pictures outwardly what took place inwardly. And so it's a tremendous picture. Now, I do want to say this again. Baptism is only for those who have personally trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Um, you can get baptized without being saved, but you're just getting wet. It means nothing other than hopefully you're getting uh, cleaner than you were before, uh, physically speaking, but that's it. Um, it has nothing to do with any type of spiritual change that takes place. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said this, A man who knows that he is saved by believing in Christ does not, when he is baptized, lift his baptism into a saving ordinance. In fact, he is the very best protester against that mistake because he holds that he has no right to be baptized until he is saved. And so salvation is only for those who have trusted Christ as their Savior, not for folks who have not. Uh, this is, again, as I mentioned, no way does it bring any type of saving grace when you do get, when you do get baptized. Uh, this is, by the way, why we do not baptize infants. There are many churches who do. And I put air quotes around the 
word church is there because not really a scriptural church if they're baptizing infants. Um, infants have no ability to get saved. Well, that's why we here at Cornerstone, we do what we call baby dedication, where we dedicate the baby to the Lord and we dedicate mostly the parents to raising that child to come to know the Lord and to teach them the truths of God's Word. But we do not baptize infants, and if there's a if there would be a family that came in and said, Pastor, can we're about to have our baby. We would like to have that baby baptized. And I said, we may have to wait a few years before they understand the gospel and they personally trust Christ as their Savior, and then we can baptize your uh, precious little one. Uh, we, this is why we are very careful to talk with people to be sure they understand what they are doing. Um, we're going to get to this a little bit later in the message, but uh, baptism should take place very soon after salvation. That's not to say that we rush people into making that decision without them properly understanding what they're doing and making sure that they are truly a believer in Christ. Uh, we take time to do that here. I don't want just everybody coming through and baptizing and then just, hey, we had so many baptized. How many of them were Christians? I have no idea. I don't really know. I, I, I'm not really convinced. Um, I want to make sure that we're careful about those who we do bring into our baptistry, that they do have a testimony of salvation in Christ, and they even have a life to even point to that. That there's even some fruit, some evidence there that they are a believer. And so I, we want to take time and be very careful with it. Uh, father, I read this story. A father was... Uh, talking to his oldest son about the boy's upcoming baptism. Wanting him to understand the significance of the event, he took great care to communicate with him. It's a good dad right there. Well, while they were talking, the boy's younger brother, a little four-year-old, left the room. He seemed visibly upset, so the father followed him to see what was wrong. And tearfully, the little guy confessed, Well, I want to be alphabetized with my brother. Uh, that was pretty cute. He just didn't really understand the whole concept of baptism and uh, what it meant to be baptized. Maybe you've heard this illustration regarding baptism. It's very much like a, uh, a wedding ring. And uh, basically, I'm wearing a wedding ring to indicate that I belong to Julie Johnson. And she's wearing one to indicate that she belongs to Eric Johnson. Right, you're wearing your ring tonight. Okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> Um, a wedding ring is a symbol of identification. It's saying that I am proud of the fact that I belong to her and I'm not ashamed to identify with my wife. Now, I can take this wedding ring off. Am I still married to my wife? The answer is yes. Am I in trouble for not having my wedding ring on? Probably. <laughs> no, it... it, it this, this isn't the most important thing. This doesn't make me married. Likewise, baptism doesn't make someone a Christian. It's basically an outward expression of an inward decision that you made to trust Christ as your Savior. Now again, I could walk around all day long without my wedding ring on and I'm still married. Um, and I, and I, I guarantee no, no woman has ever seen me with this wedding ring and went, Oh, bummer, he's taken. <laughs> no one's ever said that. No one's probably ever thought that. Um, but it's still, it's, 
me saying to the world that I belong to her. And uh, now I can put this wedding ring on my son Luke's finger, but that doesn't make him married to my wife. You see, I'm married to my wife. And likewise, people can get baptized all day long without belonging to Jesus Christ. Because again, it doesn't make someone belong to Jesus Christ. It's simply an outward expression. It's, it's an identification uh, situation. Um, reminder that these two ordinances, baptism and communion, have no saving power. We're not saved by works, but we are saved unto good works. Ephesians 2 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But then it says, the next verse, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So, no, we're not saved by getting baptized, but once we are saved, we should be baptized because that is a good work that God wants us to do. So baptism is the first step of discipleship, the first step in the Christian life. And just like a young person who's learning how to walk, they need to take their first step. And as a believer, we all need to take our first step. And I'll just say this, if you're a believer and you've not taken the first step of obedience, which is baptism, boy, I would encourage you to make that decision. Come talk to me. We'll be glad to set up a time where we can... Uh, again, kind of talk through it and help you understand it. Goes through some of these things that we're discussing tonight, and then, and then we'll set up a time for you to go ahead and get baptized. It's an important thing. And I know some of this is basic, and a lot of you have heard this before, but there may be some who need to hear it again, and maybe some who are hearing it for the first time tonight. So thank you for being here and for listening and, 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 and hearing me out. So that's the meaning of baptism. Let's talk quickly Number two here about the method of baptism. How should we baptize? And there are a lot of different ways that some people or some churches baptize. Some um, get a, uh, a pitcher of water and they pour it over your head. That's called pouring. Some get a little uh, dish of water and they put their fingers in it and, and sprinkle you on, and that's referred to as sprinkling. Uh, but as a Baptist church, what we do is we do full immersion. Uh, because of some reasons here. First of all, the Greek word bap, baptizo here um, literally means to dip, to plunge, or to immerse. So if we're going to baptize someone, you're going to want to plunge them, immerse them, or to dip them under, underneath the water. That's really the only way that uh, you can do this. Here's a couple thoughts here. Immersion best pictures the three aspects of the gospel as we've uh, talked about a few minutes ago. Colossians chapter number 2 is another uh, reference here regarding that. In verse number 12, it says, "...buried with Him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised Him from the dead." So, immersion best pictures the three aspects of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. You don't get that from sprinkling. You don't get that from pouring. You only get that through a full immersion. Um, a couple of biblical examples here of those who were baptized. They needed, uh, there was indication here of full immersion. It doesn't say, and they were fully immersed, but you can, you can deduce that logically through some of the verbiage here in these passages. 
letter, letter B here, there was need of much water. And we find that in John chapter 3, if you want to kind of look with me and see a couple of these passages here. John chapter number 3. In verse 23, it says this, uh, I'm sorry, is that right? Yeah, John 3, 23, there we go, that was in chapter 4. Verse 23 says, And John also was baptizing in Aenon near to Salem because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. Why would there be a need for much water? Um, the reason that John was baptizing was because there was much water there. Well, you wouldn't need much water if you're just sprinkling or pouring. You would just need a little bit of water. But because there was much water, we can deduce that there was full immersion going on. Jesus was baptized uh, through immersion in uh, Mark chapter number 1. In verse number 9, it says, And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And here's the verbiage in verse 10, and straightway coming up out of the water. He saw the heavens opened and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. So he came up out of the water. That's not sprinkling, folks. That's not pouring. That's full immersion. Okay, well, what else? What other story? Well, let her see here. Um, they went down both into the water. And that's found in Acts chapter 8, if you want to turn over there. Acts chapter number 8. By the way, I, I said this to Cooper when we were talking about uh, him getting baptized. I, and I say this to most folks. When you are baptized by immersion, you are doing something exactly like Jesus did. That's pretty special to be able to do something exactly like Jesus did. And he was baptized by immersion. And, uh, and so that is a tremendous blessing. All right, Acts chapter 8 and verse 38. Um, it says, And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Again, he wouldn't need to, they wouldn't need to get all the way down there and him to just put his fingers in the water and sprinkle them or grab a, like a pitcher or something and pour it over them. No, they needed much water. Um, and they went down into the water to do that. And so the method of baptism that we use as Baptist is full immersion. Let's look at number three here tonight, the motive of baptism. Why should someone get baptized or why would someone want to get baptized? If you're a believer here tonight and you say, I've not been baptized, but why really should I get baptized? Well, I'm going to give you three motives, three reasons why you should consider this. First of all, obedience. Because Christ commanded it, that's why. <laughs> and really, that's enough. We could stop with that one, couldn't we? Um, he told us to go into all the world, teach, the na teach all nations, baptizing them. And so Christ commands it, and we should be obedient to what God has for us. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, it says, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized, and the same day there added unto them about 3,000 souls. And so they were willing to be obedient, these first believers, in, uh, on the day of Pentecost. They were willing to be 
obedient to the message and obedient to this matter of, um, of baptism. And remember, uh, delayed obedience is in reality disobedience. You should not wait to get baptized after salvation. You should not procrastinate this decision. This is an important decision to make. Um, it's an important first step of obedience because once you make this, then the Lord's going to call you to make other decisions, but He's probably not going to call you to make those other decisions until you make this first one, this first decision of uh, baptism. Uh, but again, I want to say that we need to use some balance on this. We're not going to just say, you know, here at Cornerstone, we're going to take our time with it to some degree. We're going to make sure that you understand what you're doing. We're going to make sure that the person who's getting baptized isn't just following peer pressure because it's an emotional service and, well, I just want to go do that when they really have no understanding of what it is that they're, do that they're doing. We want to really take our time to explain it and be careful with this particular decision. So balancing, not delaying, but also being careful. We're, we want to try to strike that balance here. Uh, just, a, just a personal testimony. I was saved at age 12, and many of you have heard my testimony. I've shared it many times. But I was baptized when I was 16. And uh, to be very frank with you, I really regret waiting those four years before I was baptized. Because I, my growth was stunted. Had nothing to do with coffee, okay? Had everything to do with my lack of obedience in the area of baptism. And I wish that I had indeed uh, been baptized soon after my salvation. But I waited and waited and waited. And finally, at age 16, I decided to uh, make this decision. And, and after that, then I really began to grow spiritually in my walk with God. And so if you're here and you've been saved and not yet baptized and wondering, why am I not growing? Well, maybe it's because you haven't taken your first step. And uh, I would encourage you to do that. So why should I get baptized? Because of obedience, the importance of doing this. But then also, if that's not enough, here's another one. Love for the Lord. Love for the Lord. John 14 and verse 15 uh, go ahead and turn over there. I'd kind of like you to see this verse. I know I could quote it, but I think it, it sticks in our minds a little bit if we, if we see it as well. John 14 and verse 15. And these are the words of Jesus in the upper room. And here's what he says in verse 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments. I would assume that most everybody here loves the Lord. If I were to ask you, you would say, yes, I love the Lord. But in God's mind, our love for Him is measured in our obedience to Him. Not in a warm and fuzzy feeling that we might have towards Him right now. And not to say that emotion has no part in love, but it's not the most important part. And verse 15 says, if you love me, you're going to need to keep my commandments. And so I hope that we love the Lord enough that we're willing to say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. If you want me to get into a baptistry, 
count me in. Sign me up. If you want me to serve you with my life, count me in. Here am I. Send me. I hope that all of us are willing to follow God's commands and love is a great motivator for that. But then also, not only that, we also see joy is a great motivator as well. And for this, go ahead and turn over, if you would, to Acts chapter number 8. I know we're doing a little Bible turning tonight, but that's healthy. Acts chapter 8, and this is a tremendous story. Uh, or a tremendous historical account of a baptism that took place. Verse number 8, or chapter 8, verse number 30, or verse 29, let's pick it up there. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? So Philip, if you remember, was one of the deacons in the early church. And uh, God had a soul-winning call for him, a tremendous opportunity to witness for the Lord. And so the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go and do this. And Philip, I like what the Bible says, ran thither to him. He didn't delay. He didn't kind of wait and ask his wife what she thought about the situation. No, he went and uh, did it. Um, And so verse 31, he said, well, how can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And they're reading Isaiah 53 there, and, and he's saying, who, who is he talking about in verse 34? Uh, is he talking about of himself or some other man? Well, this was a beautiful opportunity for Philip to talk to him about uh, Jesus Christ and the fact that it was talking about not, not Isaiah, it was talking about the Lord Jesus. Well, verse 36, they, as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And again, it's not just a little dish of water. It was a body of water. And then verse 37, Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And then here it is, verse 39, When they were come up out of the water... The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, but the eunuch saw him no more. That must have been kind of an interesting thing to behold there. Like, he probably turned around and was like, Hey, Philip, where, Philip, where'd you go? Hey, you just baptized me. Now, where'd you, where'd you go, Philip? He's looking all over the place. Well, the Spirit of the Lord uh, beamed me up, Scotty. I don't know exactly how all that happened and how that worked, but the Bible says it, so I believe it. Okay, well, let's read the last part of it. That the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. And uh, the question is, who went on their way rejoicing? I think in context, it was probably the eunuch. But... I can't help but think that as Philip was caught away, he probably went went away rejoicing too, that he had the opportunity and the privilege of being a part of something like that, of witnessing for the Lord, seeing this guy come to Christ and believing on Christ for his salvation, and then having the opportunity to baptize this new believer in water. And it brought great joy to both, I'm sure, 
uh, the eunuch, uh, I think the context there, as you kind of read through it, kind of points to more of the eunuch, but I'm sure Philip went away rejoicing as well. Um, so joy is a tremendous, I'm telling you, I don't know that I've ever baptized anybody or seen a baptism where the person who got baptized was all grumpy afterwards. Uh, they were not Mr. Grumpy Pants, okay? They were joyful. They were glad that they had obeyed the Lord because guess what? Obedience brings joy. When you are following the Lord and doing what you're supposed to be doing, it brings tremendous joy. Now, someone has said that over the centuries, Christians have debated what baptism accomplishes, to whom it should be administered, and how much water should be used. Believe it or not, baptism is a very controversial subject in churches. And uh, while many debate over it, God's word is very clear. If you have been saved, then you need to be baptized by immersion in water as soon as possible after salvation. And if you've been saved but not yet baptized after salvation, then you should seriously consider obeying the Lord in this matter because you want to be obedient to God, you want to show Him love, and you're going to experience some tremendous joy. And uh, not to mention the spiritual growth that will start taking place in your life uh, after you make this decision. So baptism, um, a very important part of the Christian life. Um, again, not necessary for salvation. It is very possible to be saved, not baptized, and still go to heaven. In fact, that's what happened to the thief on the cross, if you recall. Um, he was on the cross. He didn't have to come down and get baptized. Um, he, when he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest to thy kingdom, Jesus didn't say, all right, well, let's get you off the cross. Let's get you ready for baptism. You know, we're going to sing a couple songs, and then we're going to get you baptized, and then we'll sing a couple. We'll do handshaking. No, that's not what happened to the thief on the cross. He died a little bit after his salvation, and he did not get baptized. Uh, baptism is not necessary for salvation. But it is necessary for a Christian as they begin to walk with God and to grow in, his, in their relationship with Him. I would say this. I think it's very unlikely you're going to really accomplish much and fulfill your potential as a Christian if you're not willing to follow Him in this very first decision. And so if you're here, whether you're old or young, and you've been saved and not yet been baptized, I would invite you to talk to me. You can contact me. You can email me, call me, text me, um, knock on my door. I'd be glad to talk to you about this very important decision. And uh, with that, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. And uh, we will conclude our service here very shortly. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this very important um, issue of baptism. Help us as a church to hold true to what your word teaches regarding baptism. Help us, Lord, to not get uh, swept by uh, some well-meaning uh, people who misuse a verse. Uh, help us, Lord, to take the entirety of your word and the entirety of what you have to say about a certain topic and build a doctrine that way instead of just getting one verse and building a doctrine. Help us, Lord, for those who are here and not yet been baptized, they're saved, not yet followed you. I pray, Lord, they would make the decision to uh, be obedient to you in this matter. I pray you'd work in their hearts. 
and, uh, and help them to make that decision. And Lord, help us as we, uh, those of us who have been saved and baptized, help us, Lord, to understand this topic so that we can teach and help others uh, with it as well. And we'll thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen.